1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take your business to the next level. Shopify is the commerce platform that makes it easy to show up and sell exactly the way you want to. No need to code or design. Sign up for your $1 per month trial period today. Visit Shopify.com slash offer23 to get started.
0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Charlotte Kemp about futures literacy and developing a futures thinking mindset. Charlotte Kemp, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Jonathan, thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, I am super excited to have you joining me today all the way from South Africa. Uh, It's it's always fun to have these conversations with people from all over the world. And uh, I'm just thrilled to have the chance to talk with you. It's evening there, of course. It's morning here in Utah. And uh, we're experiencing summer, you're experiencing winter. So it's it's fun. That's another aspect of just talking with people around the globe, right? We, we exactly. get to exper- experience things at different times, different points in the year. Well, today, uh, Charlotte, you and I are going to be talking about futures literacy and developing a futures thinking mindset. I really love the way you frame that. Uh, I also do a lot of work uh, around the future of work and Uh, You know, I like to think of myself at least kind of as a budding futurist. uh, But that's definitely the space that you hold and and we're going to have a really compelling conversation today. As we get started, I wanted to share Charlotte's bio with everybody. Charlotte Kemp is the futures alchemist, a futurist keynote speaker who works with organizations to co-create preferred futures. She is a member of the Association of Professional Futurists, as well as the deputy president of the Professional Speakers Association of South Africa. Charlotte is also the author of a number of books, including Futures Alchemist, which presents a narrative of how to use her map, compass, and guide model to navigate unknown futures. For research and insight, Charlotte hosts a podcast series called futures facets, and interviews people around the world to gain an understanding of how we see the future from our different points of view. Charlotte's signature talk is Become the Conscious Futurist Your Industry Needs Now, and explores ways to intentionally create changes that will usher in our preferred future for our own industries. Charlotte also serves on a number of association boards and steering committees and works as an association futurist. Charlotte lives in Cape Town, South Africa, but loves to travel, COVID willing, and speak internationally. Again, a real pleasure to have you joining me on the podcast today. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context before we dive right on in?
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Um, So just to update my bio, um, I have just recently uh, been elected as the vice president of the Global Speakers Federation. So all of our speaking bodies around the world belong to the GSF. And of course, it's an incredible honor. uh, But those of us who are involved in the associations world know that it just means a whole lot of extra meetings and conversations. But the reason I really enjoy this, uh, becoming involved in associations, um, as a futurist, you, you really want a big picture of, of what the world is like and different experiences. So like you already said, uh, we're having conversations from different hemispheres and different weather patterns. But the more conversations we have internationally, globally, uh, the more we connect ourselves across these lines, uh, the better our insight about the world is and the better we can co-create futures. So I'm really enjoying these uh, new opportunities that uh, the speaking worlds are me as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that update. And, and thank you so much for, for the background. Uh, Maybe you can provide a little bit of context for us just around how you got into this futures work. Um, I remember the very first time I ever attended a a talk by someone who um, called themselves a futurist, maybe a decade or so ago. And I never really even thought of it that way. You know, like I, as, as he was talking and this gentleman was talking, he was from the UK And it resonated with me and I'm like, yeah, I do some similar types of things. And so that was the first time ever that I started to think of myself as a futurist, but how did you find yourself in that space? Uh, And how did you find yourself in this line of work?
1: Yeah. So interesting. I I started um, my career in financial services. I followed my father into, I worked with an insurance company and a bank and a brokerage and a a boutique firm that designed new, um, new financial products. Um, And, you know, all the time, I'm I'm kind of, I I was very curious about the latest things that were happening. But like you're saying, long before we had words for this, Um, and I'd done a a kind of a regular degree at university uh, that my father had advised me to do. And I'm kind of plodding along in my career path. And then I I moved into training and speaking. And um, I, I kind of fell into some topics that I was training people on. But I felt like I wanted to invest my life into something a little bit more. So my um, oldest daughter was approaching the end of her high school career, and she was going to look at what she was going to study um, tertiary. And uh, we sent her off to a career guidance counselor. And as soon as she was finished, mommy went to the career guidance counselor and said, I'm stuck in my career. I'm I'm, I'm doing work that I like, but the topic just doesn't resonate with me. I want to have something a bit uh, more meaningful. So we went through a couple of exercises and conversations, and then she, she recalled something from a local university uh, here in South Africa, Stellenbosch Business School, and um, she pulled up some brochures and showed me about this postgraduate diploma in futures studies, and the minute I heard it, I thought, this is something that is really interesting, and the more I started exploring what this topic meant, future studies, strategic foresight, futures thinking... Um, I felt like I'd come home and everything that I'd ever done in my career that was kind of questioning the status quo, all the science fiction books that I've ever read, uh, all of that just really resonated. And I, I, I just discovered something that was so meaningful. So um, I really invested my time and changed my entire career to now uh, focus on future studies. And I'm, I'm loving the various conversations that I'm having. It, it's such a broad field. That, you know, no two or three futurists are going to be talking about the same stuff because there there just is is so much that we can explore. And what is also wonderful is that around the world now, more and more universities are coming up with other um, certificate courses, postgraduate courses, and, you know, even further uh, up to doctoral um, degrees on on future studies. So it's it's becoming, it's a really well-respected, very robust academic model now as well, worldwide.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you. That's that's so much fun to hear about the trajectory that people go on and how they end up where they're at. I think all of us tend to go on a bit of a zigzag course, right? Uh, yeah. It's very uncommon for people to just kind of from the get-go land where they're going to be for the rest of their career, and, and that's certainly the case for me as well. Well, very good, very good. Um, let's start then by just defining a few things. We've already mentioned futures studies, future research, and things like that um, quite a bit. And I I suspect most listeners kind of understand where we're coming from, um, but perhaps not. So let's talk about futures literacy. What exactly is futures literacy? Why are we talking about like how do you study the future right? Um, it's something unknown, it's unknowable, really because we don't have a time machine. so what is futures literacy? what is futures research?
1: yeah so you know the I think a lot of it is about the narratives we tell. so when we look at history, we think history is very well defined, but you also find people telling stories on different sides of history. And and if you're going to become a historian, you really want to um, have a bit of academic rigor there to kind of take away the uh, perspectives and the biases and get to the actual facts and the implications of what is happening. Um, And when we flip that, and we're looking to the future. uh, How we think about the future is based a lot on the narratives we're telling about our, our current situation and where we came from. So yes, we can't tell the future, Uh, we can't um, read the future in as much as we can't kind of look into a a crystal ball and tell what is going to happen. Um, But there are indications, signals, trends, drivers of change that we can become familiar with. And the work that people do when they're looking at futures literacy and and what I really uh, really focus on is trying to give people um, the sense of agency over the future. Uh, our world is changing so rapidly at the moment that, you know, in the past there were changes, obviously, and that and, things would change and there would be time for, you know, the disruption to settle and people to find new skill sets and adjust themselves to the new way of life, their new normal. And then a couple of years or decades later, there will be another fundamental shift. That at the moment, the changes are coming so quickly, we don't have time to settle before there's something new. So we have to pay a lot more attention to what is coming into the future. And for some people that feels like um, the future is happening at them. They are victims and they just have to endure this. It's overwhelming. Uh, They're scared or they withdraw entirely. Um, They they react very badly to news that they're hearing because any change is scary. Um, It's all labeled as bad and they just wanna withdraw into something safe or they got this nostalgia narrative about how wonderful it was back then when things were simpler. So when we talk about futures literacy, it's trying to give people uh, a framework to think about the future, to identify things, to understand their emotional reaction, um, but also to actually kind of identify a couple of of trends that are happening and work out where they need to fit in. So is there a new skill set that we have to develop? How do we develop that on the fly? We can't take three years or four years off to go and get another degree. So how do we learn what we need just in time for our career development? Um, and you know, what are the things we need to respond to? What can we actually influence? What do we just need to endure? Not everything needs to be endured, um, but, but there are different ways of responding. So that's how I like to unpack it. So people feel like they're part of co-creating the future and they're not just victims to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I love the idea of just being proactive. Uh, in all aspects of life, not waiting for things to happen to you and that that you're kind of forced to respond, but rather be proactive about creating the type of experience, the type of uh, circumstances, the type of life that you want to live. And certainly there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of messiness and a lot of uncertainty out there. Um, Nobody's pretending that that's not the case, but we can exert control over our path and our, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the trajectory that we take. And ultimately that will give us a a better chance of, of being ready for those disruptions that occur and that we can then, you know, have options available to us so that we can lean into the change, lean into the discomfort, the uncertainty, and ultimately adapt and, and, and be ready for, you know, the shifts that we will experience in our lives and our careers and our professions. Uh, so I, I really love that. So what, are some things that people can do? Anyone listening who's thinking, who's intrigued by this idea of futures literacy, futures research, just f- uh, futures framing, how can people begin to explore that? How can they better understand the, the benefits of that kind of a mindset?
1: Right. There there are so many models, and um, I, I get excited about all the different tools we can use, which can be quite overwhelming. So um, what what I'll give you is is one set of tools about scenario planning uh, which I found to be very helpful and it can be applied to anything as simple as uh, you know uh, your, your plans that may be disrupted because of COVID lockdowns all the way to career growth to the future of your particular organization or industry. So what we do when we create a business plan or a life plan or a career path is we, we plan one direction. We plan what we want. What we, we've we got this positive mindset uh, perspective of this is where I want to be in the future. And we plot out the steps to get there. Or if it's a business plan, we say this is our business plan, our marketing, our financial plan for next year. And we think it's going to be 10% better than last year. So it's last year just kind of extrapolated into the future. And then something comes along that disrupts that. And, and disruption is interesting because... If we've labeled it negative, it's disruption. If we've labeled it positive, then it's progress. Uh, So again, it's just about our perspective. So what we do with scenario planning is you want to plan, make three different scenarios. You want to imagine three different worlds. And then you want to create a business plan for each one of those worlds. So very broadly, very roughly, um, it would be a good world, um, a utopian world. Everything goes well. And then on the other side, the flip side, a dystopian world where everything goes wrong. And then the third one is that kind of the middle of the road. Yes, we're we're going to be making some progress and there's going to be a couple of disruptions.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals teams and organizations
1: now the value of planning this you, you want to really imagine as richly as you can what this world might look like that would affect whatever you're trying to plan. So if it's your career, then you know where are you living? What is the industry like there? Uh, what are your chances? Um, you wanna imagine the best possible scenario. So for example, maybe you have the opportunity to sign up the best client in the world. It's like, this is a game changer. And if you got this client, uh, your your trajectory of your career is just going to go through the roof. You're going to be world famous. You're going to earn so much money. It's going to be brilliant. And you really want to work all of that out. Picture it, get excited, feel everything. And once you've experienced all the emotion and you've daydreamed about this brilliant, perfect um, career choice or client or situation, you then want to create the business plan for that. What would, what would that look like? Then the opposite, the dystopian version, the everything is negative. Um, for whatever reason, something worse than COVID comes along. Um, you you aren't able to achieve what you're doing. If you've got a business, you might be needing to retrench staff, make some cutbacks. You know, at, at work, cutbacks at home. Um, there's certain things that you can't do anymore because we're in a really tough time and we're not sure how long it's going to work. And that dystopian, that negative worldview is very difficult to imagine. Um, so what I normally do is uh, advise people to do this like maybe on a weekend, not in the middle of the day not with other people because if you have you know a really negative emotion, uh, if you've got a really good imagination it, it could be it could be quite unpleasant. Um, but you want to do it you want to have both of those extreme emotional experiences because we're emotional people and when, when we get emotional about something we, we want to respond like that um, and that's not always logical or practical. But if you can imagine those scenarios and you work through the emotions, whether it's the excitement or the fear and the anxiety, you work through it, allow your body to experience it, allow your mind to pay attention to what is happening. And this might sound a little bit kind of psychological, but but what we're really trying to do is prepare ourselves mentally for whatever scenario might come. So, for example, if, if if you don't plan for your utopian situation and you just have an ordinary plan going forward, an ordinary scenario. Life is okay, getting a little bit better, but nothing extraordinary. And then unprepared, you get that once in a lifetime opportunity. You're going to be so sad as you go, wow, this is great. This is amazing. But I can't take this opportunity. I can't actually deliver on this because I don't have the capacity. I don't have this minor skill set. Um, I don't have the time. I I don't have the flexibility, the margin in my life to be able to do that. And I'm going to have to let this one go. And for the rest of your life, you're going to be regretting that once in a lifetime opportunity that you missed. And in the negative side, if we don't deal with that kind of fire drill of this terrible thing could happen, how would we respond? Then if something terrible happens, we're going to respond negatively negatively. Um, I've heard of people, you know, during COVID with the lockdowns that went to bed and put the <laughs> duvet over their head for a week and a half until their wives kicked them out of the bed and said, go and face your business, do something about it. But we don't know how to emo- uh, react emotionally. So we want to get the emotions out of the way, then create a logical, practical plan to scale up or scale down, to not take on things that we might not be able to cope with in the future. And then we want to actually plot out what are we going to do to try and achieve the better options. Um, So those three scenarios are really, really powerful. Um, You might, in that exercise, find new opportunities that you hadn't thought of, even in the dystopian situation. Even in the negative situation, there's still opportunities. Uh, But you need to get the emotion out of the way so that our practical, logical brains can pull in all the wonderful resources that we have and create new business plans that will actually deliver something amazing.
0: Yeah, I really love that approach. And it's not, I, what you're forcing yourself to do is to not like dwell um, on like the negative to, you know, to, to, to just sink into despair and ruminate on all the, the p- potential negative things that could happen. Of course it could happen. And so it's useful to spend some time in that space. Uh, it's also equally as uh, unproductive uh, to, to just be constantly pie in the sky, dreaming about this. This utopian future that also is probably not particularly likely. Uh, And if you spend all of your time chasing that, uh, then you're not going to be in a great situation either. And so kind of forcing yourself to have these experiences emotionally and analytically across the spectrum of possibility is is a really great exercise. It's a great opportunity for us to to be prepared um, emotionally uh, as well as kind of intellectually for the range of types of things that we might experience. And, and to your point earlier, we definitely don't have a crystal ball. We don't know. We can look at trends. We can look at drivers of change. Uh, We can look at, you know, how things have changed over the last 50 years and kind of the trajectory of change moving to the future. So we can have indications, but ultimately we don't know. And so the best we can do is scenario planning across a range of uh, possible future futures and and the potential of different uh, things occurring. And I also really like how you focused on, even in the dystopian kind of future, that worst case scenario that you're thinking about, there is still opportunity in struggle. And I think this pandemic has demonstrated that. Uh, It's demonstrated a lot of things, but it's also demonstrated that there's tremendous opportunity for people who are ready and prepared to pivot during unprecedented times, during times where nobody could have really thought this was going to happen. And I don't know of anyone who really thought, um, you know, go back in time two years, who thought it was going to play out, the next two years was going to play out the way it has, right? Um, Certainly, we had some understanding that a pandemic was possible. We had some understanding, you know, that there could be some sort of economic disruption globally. Um, Those things tend to happen cyclically. And so, you know, there, there was some level of preparation people could do, but nobody knew that this was going to happen this way. Yet there were some individuals and some uh, organizations that were just ready to go. They were ready to pivot. They were ready to adapt, uh, and they've done incredibly well during this really horrific time. That's been so challenging for so many people and so damaging and so uh, harmful to so many people. Yet there are there are those individuals and organizations that have really thrived so so look for the opportunities in all of the different types of scenarios across the spectrum it's not just about how do i survive in the dystopia it's about how can i really thrive in that kind of an environment as well as in the utopian scenario and in everything in between
1: yeah and a lot of it uh, like i mentioned at the beginning is about the narrative that we tell so when we when we really plan out uh you know, with, with a full exercise, plan out and design scenarios. Um, it's helpful to then be able to have these conversations with your team or in the workplace or with your family to say, you know, uh, if we go in this direction, this is what the world could look like. And you can tell that story and say, is that what we want? Uh, and if that's not what we want, then how could we kind of step back and then design a different future? What story do we want to tell about the future? And, and the more we articulate that, the, the better we can do. In South Africa, years ago, we had, uh, we were under an apartheid government, and um, we wanted to challenge that and design, you know, uh, a more democratic society. And there were a lot of conversations. And then this was the first that for South Africa we ever heard, um, you know, in in our common conversation about scenario planning. And there were some brilliant scenarios designed uh, by Clem Sunter and some others uh, in South Africa. And they talked about the high road in South Africa and the low road. And it, it just became part of our everyday conversation. You know, if we act like this, if we react like that, if we behave this way, if we make those choices, we're going to go on the low road. And the low road is not where the society wants to go. So how do we choose the high road? Um, and that conversation was just there the whole time, you know, in government and, and business and schools, just the whole time challenging ourselves to make better decisions to choose the high road for our country.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, Charlotte, it has just been a real pleasure. Um, before we wrap up, I thought if you can just kind of give us a, a final sense of why developing a futures thinking mindset is so vital. Why is it important for for anyone listening today? What, regardless of your role in your organization, regardless of whether you're working or you're just you know in between jobs at home, whatever. Like, why is this kind of fostering this kind of a futures thinking mindset so vital for us?
1: All right. Well, Jonathan, you know, I'm studying futures, um, futures thinking. I'm writing about it. I've uh, got some books out. at your presentations. I do this work the whole time. So a lot of people say, well, you're the futurist. We're not. Um, but my real belief is that we are all as humans, we are all futurists. Uh, if we looked at our career, if we've looked at our children's education, if we've saved for retirement, if we planned a holiday, we are natural futurists. So we all have this, uh, this this idea that there's something that happens for us tomorrow or next year, and what is that going to look like? And we can get better at that. We can get better at anticipating and designing and co-creating the future if we are more literate about it. But it, if you're illiterate, if you don't know the language, you just think about if you travel to, to a country that speaks a language that you're not familiar with, you know, you can't see the Uh, the great opportunities, the um, tourist things you need to go and view, you can't see the warning signs like, you know, don't walk over here. Uh, You can't find where the food is. Um, You're really lost if you don't understand the language. Um, And the future doesn't need to feel that scary to us. So if we're natural futurists and we want to be better at it, if we want to start to feel a little bit competent with this language, then futures literacy is something that we should be developing.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Charlotte. It has just been a real pleasure. Before we wrap up today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and uh, then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, thank you. All right, so I do, uh, every month I put on uh, two or three presentations, keynote type uh, presentations with a conversation afterwards, uh, obviously on Zoom and uh, I'm inviting anybody to come join us and the reason I do that is I, I really try and get people from all over the world so I've got like you know from Mexico all the way to Pakistan and uh, everywhere in between and we're having conversations about the future about future values and future technology and the more uh, different voices and perspectives we have there the richer that conversation is so if you have a look at my website um, it's charlottekemp.co.za because I'm in South Africa so it's .co.za. There's a, a list there of public events and anyone is welcome to uh, sign up for any of those and join us. Um, yeah, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, which is also really wonderful. And then we can share some ideas and I share some of my writing there. But as for a message for the future, I just really want to, to say that the future really is in our hands. Uh, the more we have these conversations... Uh, we co-create it's not that I'm creating a future for myself that is at odds with other people Um, the way we create a a future that is preferred for us as opposed to the other things that could potentially happen uh, is if we come together we have these conversations and we work together to create the future and we have that power and the influence over it uh, which a lot of people feel like they don't have but we really do. Thank
0: you, Jonathan. Amen. Thank you so much, Charlotte. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Charlotte and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership